0: be reading from 2 Corinthians, chapter 4, verses 13 to the end. (laughs) But we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith the psalmist had when he said, I believed in God, so I spoke. We know that God who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you all of this is for your benefit and as god's grace reaches more and more people there will be great thanksgiving and god will receive more and more glory that is why we never give up though our bodies are dying our spirits are being renewed every day for our present troubles are small and won't last very long yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever.
1: I don't know if you've ever heard of the concept of cause and effect. And if you did middle school science, you most certainly did. And uh, you might have even got a, gotten a dose of it in high school too. Yeah, and I think you know what cause and effect is very very much like. You know, recently I was reading an article about. Uh, uh, lake levels in Lake Michigan. And lo and behold, it's up six feet. It's incredible how much it's gone up. And the first thing people want to know was, well, why is that? What's the cause that really created that? Well, there's, in, uh, there's been a 12-month period here recently where we've had record rainfall. We've never had that in the history of Wisconsin. And so Lake Michigan is, is on the rise. And do you know if there's flooding in downtown Oshkosh? Well, you You can say, well, it it was raining a lot and and raining hard. So those sorts of things happen. And I've got some examples here uh, of, of cause and effect. And in fact, one thing I thought about doing was doing this experiment myself. But you'll see why here I chose not to. Oh, look at that. He broke the egg. So you see what the cause was. He had he had the egg in his hand, and it ends up smashed. And the cause, of course, is that he let go of it, and it has the impact with the floor, and that happens. So cause and effect, and it, uh, it goes on. In fact, uh, recently police were asking this question, what caused this? This is a picture from the calamity that took place, I think it was January... Or February 131 car pile up. I mean, I, I have never ever heard of this in all my life. And uh, the strange thing is, is that about two hours before this happened, Gail and I were traveling south, southbound I 41, and we were questioning our sanity that we would do something like this. There were pop up whiteouts all over the place. And, and of course, your first reaction is when you go into whiteout, it's to slow down because you can't see where you're going. But in any event, any we proceeded. We, we came to be with all of you on that uh, wintry morning in January, and then we started driving back when it was all said and done, and we noticed that there was no traffic going southbound on the southbound side. Instead, there were ambulances going north on the southbound side, and, and Gail said, that can't be good. And sure enough, we saw this. We were there probably 30 minutes after it happened, and uh, it, was, it was surreal. It's something that you would, you would really only see maybe in your dreams, but there we were witnessing it. And then I read an article, of course, that uh, the police were investigating, well, what caused this? You know, what is the root cause? I mean, here is the effect. What was the cause? And uh, miraculously, I, th- I would have thought that many people would have been killed, but only one, one person was killed, and that person, look again, thinking of cause, he got out of the car. And he's in a white white zone, and other cars are still piling in. So that's how that happened. And I don't want to pretend that all examples of cause and effect are are uh, you know bad outcomes. There's there's some really wonderful examples of cause and effect, and one is it's taking place right now. Your immune system is on guard all the time. There are pathogens that enter your body that, you know, unbeknownst to you, they seek to do you harm, but your immune system kicks in and, and stops that bacteria or stops that virus. And so then this happens all throughout the day, every day, 24-7. Occasionally you get a fever, and that's that means that you're... you're uh, your immune system deserves extra credit as it's really going the extra mile to make sure that you don't succumb to that virus and you do well. And so anyway, faith is very much like this. Faith is not a static sort of thing. Faith works like cause and effect. You know, faith is not something that sits on a shelf and uh, they're to be admired, or it's not something that hangs out in a museum and people ooh and ah over it that every now and then. Faith is meant to compel you to action. It causes us to do things. And so in the passage that, that uh, Kathy read to us, and we get a, a really good reminder of how this works, and this is just part of that passage in chapter 4 of Second Corinthians, Paul says, it is written, I believed. He's basically saying, I have confidence in the message of Jesus Christ. Christ, it moves me to action. He says, "Therefore, I have spoken." In other words, he doesn't sit; he can't sit still. What he's heard, he can't keep in. He has to really let people know about it. He says, "Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe, and therefore speak." And so, there's your key uh, word there: believe, having confidence. That's the cause therefore is, is talking about the effect, so we speak. And Paul's not speaking just with words, although his words are powerful and they are inspired by God, but he's also speaking with his entire life. It's changed his entire behavior. You know, he, he treats people differently. He thinks differently. He does a lot of things differently. In fact, he talks here about how this faith leads to grace he appreciates the, the love that has been given him. Yeah, you know, he, he's caught in the act of rounding up Christians. Remember that one? And so he he appreciates God's grace, and he talks here about how that grace is the cause. Again, there's that cause word, the cause of thanksgiving to the overflow to the glory of God. And so I have this little box here Just just think about for a moment. What was Paul up to before he believed, before he had real confidence in the message of Christ, before he realized that Jesus died on the cross for him, what was he doing? Well, yeah, he was rounding up Christians. He was on the road to Damascus. He had letters from the Sanhedrin, and he was prepared to take Christians back to Jerusalem, and they would be punished. And in one case, there's one documented case, of course, where we know that, that uh you know, Paul approved of Stephen's death. So this is quite a remarkable change. He believed, and so he's a different person now. And that's that's amazing to me. And, and And we're talking about this because that's really a good model for all of us. I mean, we're also supposed to have the same mindset. I believed, so what? What happens? Well, there's a whole lot of examples in the Bible where you see faith not acting like a static thing. It's not something in a museum that everybody oohs and ahs over. It does something. And you see that in some of these examples I've got here. And this is actually Paul talking about the, the role of faith. And we've been studying in the book of Romans. In uh, chapter 1, verse 5, Paul says, Through him we received grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith for his name's sake. So there's another faith response example right here. A person who has faith is compelled to obey what God wants of that person. You know, it's very different from the, the days of Moses where someone would obey out of obligation. Oh, I've got to do this because if I don't, I'm in, I'm in deep trouble. This is a very different paradigm here. We're talking about someone having confidence in what God has asked me to do, so much so that I'm going to obey that. We've got another example here in Luke chapter 17. Uh, as, As he, Jesus, was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And it's very common that, that, well, it's it's understandable. Leprosy, you stand off at a great distance. You don't come near the rabbi. So their faith is moving them to call out and, and uh, you know, beckon Jesus. So they, they call out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was Healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. So you see the cause and effect type of of, uh, model happening here or faith response. These, these lepers have faith and they call out to Jesus and their faith according to Jesus has made them well. But it doesn't stop there. One of them actually is compelled even further. His faith is such that he's even taking the time to go back to Jesus and personally thank him. So you're seeing that faith response in action. And still further examples, and actually there's lots of them throughout the Bible. You never see faith as something, as an intellectual exercise. There's always faith response, cause and effect. In Matthew chapter 9, we read this. And this this is where Jesus is on his way to, uh, I guess, a synagogue ruler, ruler by the name of Jairus. His daughter is very sick, and of course she dies, but Jesus goes and raises her. But on the way, this is what happens. Just then, a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. So there's a faith response right there. So just notice all these along the way. She said to herself, if I only touch his cloak, I will be healed. Another faith response. So faith shapes our thinking as well. What goes on in our mind can be, can be uh, guided by our faith. So she's thinking this, that I'll be healed. Jesus turned and saw her. Take heart, daughter, he said. Your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed at that moment. And so that's, that's the, a common phrase I've got underlined there and italicized that your faith has healed you. So there's the, 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 uh, the cause, the faith, the effect has led to the healing. Mark 10, this is the story about uh, blind Bartimaeus. I, lo- I love this guy. He's another one who uh, he's, he can't really get to Jesus because, well, he's blind. He doesn't know how to get there. So he calls out in a loud voice too, and he's, he's really uh, clamoring for Jesus to take note of his situation, and people are trying to, 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 to stop him from, from uh, shouting out, and, uh, but he keeps shouting out anyway. And so Jesus approaches him and asks him, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Again, that same faith response type of, uh, of, of paradigm. Immediately, he received a sight and followed Jesus along the road. So you see the faith response continuing in, in Bartimaeus' life. He doesn't stop with, with uh, pleading with Jesus to, to help him to see but he continues for the rest of his journey following Jesus along the road, faith response. And this is just a short blurb from Acts chapter 3. The, the story here is that uh, you know, Peter and others are walking through, I guess, the, uh, the courtyard in Jerusalem, and there's a, a, a man who's been lame for a very, very long time, and so he's a beggar. He's reduced to begging, and uh, he's, he's observed by Peter. And Peter says to him, well, you know, I, I don't have a lot of money to give you, but I, I do have uh, a gift from Jesus for you. And so by faith in the name of Jesus, this man who who whom you see and know was made strong, it is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. So Peter himself is acknowledging this cause and effect relationship. But there are some negative examples just to show that what happens in the absence of faith? What happens if faith is not yet to the point where where someone has confidence in what God is able to do? Well, here's an example here in Matthew 13. Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? And of course, they're saying this in kind of a patronizing tone, as if to say, well, He's just, he's just an average, average guy. Aren't all his sisters with us? Where, where, I'm sorry, where then did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own town and in his own home. And he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. And so you see, the, the, the cause is not there, so the, the effect is not observed. The faith is not there, so the consequences don't go with it. Matthew 17, another example. When they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. "'You unbelieving and perverse generation,' generation, Jesus replied, "'how long shall I stay with you? "'How long shall it... "'I'm sorry. "'How long shall I put up with you? "'Bring the boy here to me.'" Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of the boy, and he was healed at that moment. Then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, "'Why couldn't we drive it out?' He replied, "'Because you have so little faith.'" So you, again, you see this, this principle here that faith is what compels us to action. You know, faith motivates us to think differently, to act differently, to behave differently, to pray differently, to give differently, to share differently. Everything about our lives is transformed because of faith. And according to these, in the absence of faith, none of that happens. And so that's pretty much the way it is with us today. And, you know, we too are called to, to respond to the faith that we have, and that's the reason why it's, it's so important that our faith grow. And we have lots of examples, not only uh, in the New Testament, but there's a whole lot of examples in the Old Testament that we could go over. But for a review of that, you could take a look at Hebrews chapter 11. That's the so-called role of uh, faith, where you have a number of, of uh, well-known figures uh, discussed who do things because of their faith, and probably one one of the the uh, figures that you see mentioned there a lot is Abraham. He's kind of the prototype for our faith, and that's because he's doing things not because he's obligated. It's because he had, has confidence. Somehow confidence has been built in him to do what God calls him to do. And, of course, I think you remember one of the main things, that, a couple of things that Abraham was called to do. He was called to leave his home and go to another place, and he didn't even know where he was going, but yet he had confidence to, to make that move anyway. And, of course, later in life, and, of course, you see his faith grow over time, he's called upon to to sacrifice his one and only son. And I can't imagine the feeling in his gut when he received that request from God, go to a place that he'll show him and, and sacrifice your son, Isaac. And of course, it doesn't happen. He doesn't sacrifice his son, but at least he indicates that, that uh, even God was more important to him than his own son. And there are many other examples. Uh, You know, Noah is another example. And actually, there's contrasting examples in Noah's time. Noah had enough confidence in what God was asking him to do that he built this ridiculous ark. I mean, who builds an ark of that magnitude in a place where it hardly ever rains? It's dry. It's desert. But he does that, and he has a lot of scoffers who mock him for doing that. And so you see a contrast of the two. You know, he has the faith, the confidence that leads to his action. The other people living around him don't have that faith, so they go off in their own direction. And for us today, faith starts off very small. We we one of the very first things that we do when we first have faith is to be baptized. We we uh, basically give Jesus permission to wash our sins away. That's what we are basically doing in baptism. Now, certainly it's not the water that washes the sins away, it's the confidence that you have in Christ, so, so when you are immersed, you know that behind the scenes that Jesus is washing my sins away, and that's basically the experience that, that uh, Paul had. I think you remember that we talked about him earlier. He was on the road to Damascus, and, and that was interrupted by Jesus, and uh, and he's struck blind, and he's blind for quite a while. He fasts for a while, quite a while because he is, he is stunned by his, uh, his misunderstanding of what the gospel was all about. You know, he totally missed it, and so he finally understands, but he realizes all the damage he's done, and he's told that a fellow by the name of Ananias would come and tell him what he must do all the things that he must suffer because of Christ and he's going to be sent far away to preach to the to the to the Gentiles but when Ananias comes and touches his eyes scales fall off his eyes he's able to see again and and, and, um, Ananias tells him well what are you waiting for get up and be baptized have your sins washed away and you know true to the whole notion of cause and effect would it have made sense think about this carefully would it have made sense for Paul to have been baptized several months earlier while he was still rounding up Christians to take them to Jerusalem? Would it have made sense for him to be preaching about Jesus while he didn't believe in Jesus? That would not make sense. And so the faith has to come first and then the response. You know, The, the, the faith in Christ is the confidence that he, he is able to wash my sins away and then the baptism would follow that. But the thing is, once baptism happens, that's not the end of it. That's just meant to become a pattern for the rest of our lives. What we did in baptism is emulated over and over and over again. We continue to grow in our faith, and as that faith grows, the response to that faith continues to grow as well. So as I say, the, the baptism is really just a pattern. It's something that we do over and over again. It controls how we speak. It it decides how we grow. It decides how we pray. It decides how we we give, how we how we speak and treat others, and so on. But you know, I really can't say it any better than Paul himself. And so, what I want to do is just wrap up here with the passage that that Kathy read, and I think it really you know lays out for us very nicely. The, uh, the pattern of believing and then responding to that belief. So this is in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, if you wanted to follow along, in verse 13. He says, it is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. With that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak, because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you in his presence. All this is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So here's the consequence, here's the the effect. We fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is seen is what is I'm sorry, but what is unseen is eternal.